0: Welcome to True Crime Works, a true crime podcast. This is episode 10, the Byberry Mental Hospital. Welcome to True Crime Works, everyone. This is episode 10. Today we are going to be talking about the Byberry Mental Hospital. We're going to take a little break from the mass murderers and serial killers and talk about something different today. You will see there is a lot of crime going on in it, and there's even a supernatural factor, which we will get to towards the end. So I really hope you enjoy. A couple things before we get started. I wanted to ask a favor. If you could, please rate, subscribe, and review. And if you could, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That would help so much. It helps others find the show. Thank you so much for the support. I really do appreciate it. I also wanted to state that there are some terms in this case that I do not like and also find offensive, but it is what was used at the time. I do not mean to offend anyone when talking about this. Mental hospitals may seem like an outdated concept now, but they were very popular in America in its early days. In 1751, Benjamin Franklin and a group of Quakers constructed America's first hospital for the mentally ill. From 1830 to 1910, there was a huge increase in the number of people needing this type of help. This increase meant that they needed to build bigger and better institutions for the mentally ill. The state of Pennsylvania had many of these facilities. Construction began on another one of these institutions in Northeast Pennsylvania in 1906. Shortly after that, in the year 1907, it was established as the Byberry Mental Hospital. It would follow the theory of popular physician at the time, Benjamin Rush. He believed that mental illness was a disease that could be cured with the proper treatment, but he also believed that the mentally diseased should be kept away from everyone else until that they could be actually cured. Now, if you Google Byberry Hospital, you will see just how huge it was. It wasn't necessarily the prettiest building on the outside, but it was very large. It was kind of like a little city. It had dormitories for the patients, many kitchens, an infirmary, laundry rooms, administration rooms, a chapel, a morgue, things like that. Byberry may have started off with the best intentions. The mayor at the time, Mayor Rayburn, vowed that it would be an example for the rest of the country. This, however, was sadly not the case. The hospital opened its doors for patients in 1912, but soon after that, the population quickly grew to more than it was capable of housing. This only led to tales of abuse, neglect, and deprivation. Patients had to sleep in the hallways because it was so overcrowded. Some patients did not even have access to clothes, so their naked bodies were exposed. Raw sewage was even found on the bathroom floors. This all led to a 1936 grand jury investigation. And this is when Mayor S. Davis Wilson was forced to sign Byberry over to the state. It was renamed Philadelphia State Hospital at Byberry. This, however, did nothing to help the conditions of the place. They were forced to cut costs, and the institution could not support the people working there. There was a huge shortage in the amount of doctors, nurses, and security people working there. There was not, however, a shortage of patients. There were about 6,100 patients at a time there, which was 75% over its normal capacity. It was said that there were only 14 physicians, 90 nurses, and one attendant for every three to 400 patients. For the most part, however, the public had no idea about any of this until the 1940s. And this is when journalists decided to tackle this case. If you've heard of this place, you've probably heard of the 1946 Life Magazine expose about the Byberry Mental Hospital. And it really talked about the conditions there and how terrible they were, how it was overcrowded, and how pretty much everyone that wanted a job could get a job there, but they really didn't check the backgrounds of the workers there because some of them did some terrible things. Of course, there were some very dedicated and hardworking people that worked there, but there were a few bad employees that carried out very disturbing abuses and we'll get more into that later around the same time conscientious objectors who didn't fight in world war ii for religious or other reasons were sent to work at mental hospitals around the country one of my sources was this amazing interview with some of the conscientious objectors who were sent to work at Bayberry. i'll put a link to it in the show notes it's really worth a read they talked about how terrible the conditions were inside there. How it was so overcrowded and the smell was so strong that it would last even after you washed your clothes. They talked about a building that was called B Building. And they referred to it as the Violent Ward or the Death House because the men were so violent there that they often attacked one another. They said in one room there were just rows and rows of men who that were shackled to their bed frames because they were so violent. The men said that working in such a brutal and chaotic place tested their own ideals of nonviolence. They were objecting to the war, but they were thrown into this situation with violence and force. The men in the article really said this changed their entire lives. One went on to be a teacher and one dedicated his life to human rights. Another man worked for a mental health group that moved people out of the institutions and into smaller group homes. It's really an interesting article, and I highly recommend it. A lot of these men took photographs and provided accounts of the abusive conditions inside Biteberry. Charlie Lord was one of these men, and he was able somehow to take photos of the institution and its conditions inside. He worked there as an orderly. Because that was where he was sent. He was able to take 36 black and white photos that documented dozens of naked men huddling together and human waste lining facility hallways. Some of these pictures are the famous pictures that probably come up if you look up the hospital. And they're not explicit or anything, but they do show the horrors that these men had to deal with. These photos were shown to a number of people. One of them was the First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt. She pledged her support in pursuing national mental health reforms. This also created a mass uproar. People were outraged to learn what was going on in these places. They really had no idea because things like the internet didn't exist and this was really kept a secret. In 1948, a book comes out, and it's called The Shame of the States. And this describes the conditions at Byberry. And the journalist who writes this says it reminds him of the Nazi concentration camps. And he talks about how there were naked men there, treated pretty much like cattle, and how the smell in there was so bad because of all the human waste. Sadly, this is not where the story ends. By the 1960s, Byberry consisted of over 50 buildings. The population peaked at over 6,800 patients and 800 staff members. Things really wouldn't start to change until 1963, when President John F. Kennedy was motivated by his own sister's mental illness, and he recommended the deinstitutionalization of large mental asylums. This would allow the creation for smaller mental health facilities, which would be able to provide more personal patient care and hopefully end the abuses. From this point on, the hospital would begin a continuous downsizing that would eventually end in its closure. In 1985, the hospital failed a state inspection and was also accused of misleading the inspection team. Wow. The horrors didn't stop though. In the 1970s, there were at least 57 deaths attributed solely to patient neglect at Byberry Mental Hospital, and I'm sure that was underreported. I'm sure there were many more than that. As recently as the 1980s, there was abuse that was going on, and it was documented. In the 1980s, a 27-year-old resident was kept in restraints for more than 14 months, and it could have been as long as three years, they said. The U.S. District Court for Eastern Pennsylvania found that Byberry infringed on his human rights and demanded him to be released from the hospital. Around the same time, another patient reported that he had one of his teeth pulled without Novocaine. Another state inspection team was sent to evaluate the hospital in early 1987. By that summer, Five of the Philadelphia State Hospital's top officials were fired after the Byberry facility once again failed the state inspection. I'm going to talk for a little bit about some of the other things that went on at Byberry. Some of the staff had been taught that people with schizophrenia did not feel pain. So that's why they did not use Novocaine. So there might have been an underuse of painkillers but there was an overuse of other medications, dangerous medications. A pharmaceutical company called smith Klein, French opened up a lab inside Byberry and did intensive testing of drugs there. Many of the patients did not have the capacity to volunteer for drug trials, but that didn't stop it from happening. Patients were forced into these drug trials and many of them died because of it. In 1919, two orderlies at the Byberry confessed to strangling a patient until his eyes popped out. They did not get fired for this. In fact, they got a raise. But that's not the only murders that happened. Patients killed other patients. Byberry was home to many criminals that went here for psychiatric testing instead of prison. One patient was even murdered with a sharpened spoon. Ouch. A lot of patients just went missing, but none of the workers had time to find them. Byberry was supposed to close in 1988, however, this process was delayed until June 1990 when the hospital officially closed. The remaining patients were transferred to Norristown State Hospital or local community centers for treatment. So what happened to Byberry? Well, it was abandoned from 1990 to 2006 until, spoiler alert, it gets demolished. So of course, at first, the buildings were not demolished because of possible asbestos concerns. So people began to loot the building and steal anything of value from the wiring to the piping and stuff like that. And vandals would also write graffiti and smash windows and start fires. You can look at some pictures online during this time and it is terrifying to say the least. I like to look at pictures of this kind of stuff from the safety and comfort of my own home because it's really neat to see but I would not want to visit it in person for sure. So of course during this time there was speculation of many hauntings. The hospital was even featured on the paranormal TV show Scared. People who would explore Byberry back during this time said that they could still hear faint screams in the background, and it still smelled really bad from everything that happened. And there were also really creepy graffiti marks too, which only added to that. So the residents of this area, not surprisingly, were not thrilled that this old abandoned building was still there, because it was... Not only possibly haunted, well, probably haunted, but it was also just really creepy. The residents began pressuring the city of Philadelphia to end the problem once and for all. So at first, the city decided to just seal up the buildings with plywood. But that only made it easier for people inside to conceal themselves and... Keep exploring it so they finally agreed to demolish it and that they did in 2006 June 14 2006 a ceremony was held to celebrate the complete demolition of the former Byberry Hospital and they were going to build I think condos or something there I'm not sure if they have yet but that was the status I'm really surprised that after all this investigation and everything going on like this, it didn't close until 1990. I'm surprised that with all the reforms and talk about that, that nothing really changed and all the abuses continued well into the 1980s. Now it's just amazing to me that a place like this existed. And it's even more amazing that this was pretty recent. I mean, this didn't close until 1990. That really wasn't that long ago. These large mental hospitals are no longer a thing. And that's probably for the best, given the conditions that they were in. I really hope you enjoyed learning about Byberry State Hospital. I'm your host, Ash, and I really thank you for listening again this week. Remember to follow me on Instagram, at True And if you have any ideas for upcoming cases, you can either send me a message on Instagram or email me, truecrimeworks at gmail.com. Please remember to rate, subscribe, and review. It really helps the show. I just wanted to thank you guys so much for your support, and I really look forward to talking to you next week.